Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Jackie Robbins, who you might know as Being Fearless Jacks on Instagram. She's been battling ulcerative colitis from the age of eight, had her colon removed at 17, and then over the next 14 years, she overcame bathroom anxiety, food issues, body image issues, and is now helping other people do the same and advocating for those with IBD. She's an ambassador for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and obsessed with Star Wars and her dog, Piper. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jackie, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited that you're here and I'm excited to talk to you. And and I love that you say that you're obsessed with your dog, Piper, because I am obsessed with my two dogs and they are a big part of my family. So, <laughs> Oh my God, so obsessed. And I don't know about your dogs, but when I work out, Piper just gives me weird faces. She, yeah. just, like, <laughs> she just sits there and stares at me or my favorite is when she just jumps all over me and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mine does the same. My bigger dog, I have two. So the bigger one, she'll usually, if I'm doing yoga or something on a mat, she'll try and sit on the mat yes. with me. <laughs> and she's actually, she's actually laying like right next to me, about two feet away. So they're always Mine around. Mine usually is, but she ditched me and went onto the couch. <laughs> How dare she? Right, whatever. <laughs> so as you know, you've been listening to a few of my podcasts, and you know I like to start off by asking my guests to share their IBD stories. So why don't you get us started today and tell us a little bit about your IBD story and kind of when you were diagnosed. Absolutely. So my story is a rather unique one. Um, I am 38 years old. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when I was eight. And it was because my mom figured out that there was blood in the toilet. Apparently I didn't flush. You know, eight, you're just not really paying attention. So she had taken me to my pediatrician and then the pediatrician had sent me to a gastro and I was immediately hospitalized at eight years old because I was in a flare. And I'm unsure how long I would have been in the flare because again, it was 30 years ago. Um, but I ended up being in and out of the hospital for a couple of years Those when I first got diagnosed because they had to put me on a, a bunch of different medications. We had to figure out the diet, um, and it was a lot. And, you know, the medication that always ends up working is prednisone. And I really have a, I have a love-hate with prednisone because being on prednisone is legitimately the reason I struggled with body image issues because, as you know, it makes you makes you gain weight it makes you fat and it's really hard for a little kid at eight nine ten years old you know I got really big really fast and kids made fun of me and there was nothing I could do about it I mean you can't say to an eight-year-old I have a chronic illness and even back Mm -hmm. then I I did not understand what was going on and a lot of that was I think my parents probably tried to shield me and even if you did tell me what was going on? I was eight. (laughs) 
Like I yeah. just, you know, like I remember feeling for many, many years just very alone. I felt like I was the only person that was dealing with this. And the only thing that I think saved me throughout my teenage years was my Nana had colitis. And for me, she was like the only one that understood, but she didn't have it the way that I did. I just kept... So I got diagnosed at eight and I just kept going into flares like every year or so I'd end up in the hospital. And what ultimately ended up happening is after years of doing that, I was 17 years old. I swore for the longest time I had a stomach flu and I didn't need to go in the hospital. And my mother entertained that for like a couple of days and finally Mm -hmm. took me in and they were like, this is not a stomach flu. This is a flare. Um, But one of my defense mechanisms used to be, I I hoped that if I ignored it, it would go away. (laughs) A girl after my own heart. That was mine. (laughs) Anybody listening who is ignoring it, please don't do that. It doesn't work out. Yeah, (laughs) it will not go away. (laughs) No, it's not going to go away. Um, I think there was one point in my journey I was like 15 years old I declared that I was cured because I had been symptom free for two years and that was like the kiss of death um but yeah so at 17 I ended up in the hospital I was there for a couple of weeks and they finally you know sat down with me and my parents and explained to me that I was going to have to have my colon removed I was going to have to have an ostomy for three months to let my body heal and then they were able to reverse it and I had a really hard time processing that. Um, The biggest issue that I had when they first wanted to do it is they were going to, you know, they cut you straight up and then you have where the, you know, um, stoma is the, um, for anybody who's not um, familiar with the stoma it is when they basically take your small intestine and they suture it to the outside of your body and then you're basically evacuating your bowels into the bag which is your ostomy um, hopefully most people know that but maybe not um, I had a really hard time with that because I was truly struggling with body image issues and now mm-hmm. you want to cut open my stomach and put my small intestine out there and I was gonna poop in a bag it's my senior year. Had that even come up or was it kind of just a surprise? Was it anything that you thought this might happen or anything that they had prepared you for? Or was it really just a shock that all of a sudden now the surgery is on the table? I think that it had been it had been told that this could be the way we were going. From the time I was 13 to 17, I definitely remember talks of it. But a lot of times I spent my childhood very, very angry. So again, not only did I ignore things, but I didn't really educate myself on what was going on. I sort of just did what I call the glazed donut look. So you'd be talking to me and I'd just like glaze over Mm -hmm. and just stop listening. If I didn't want to hear something, I didn't listen. I am not proud of this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not proud of how I handled it. And, you know, if it had been within the past couple of years and I got diagnosed, I think I would feel differently. But again, back then I just felt very alone. I felt like nobody understood me. I didn't know anybody that had this. There was no support groups that we knew of and I know that my mom looked and I just was so angry and just kept thinking to myself, why is this happening to me? What did I do Mm -hmm. wrong? Why is this happening to me? And I took a really, I took a victim mentality for a long time about it. 
Well, and at such a young age, it's really hard to process. I mean, it's hard enough to process IBD as an adult, so let yeah. alone when you're eight years old. Thinking Absolutely. Back, thinking back on your experience, if there are you know parents listening now who might have a child with IBD, is there anything that you would recommend or any advice you would give to a parent who does have a young child like you were, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, you were eight, but... What would you tell a parent or what maybe would have made that easier for you as a child? Honestly, I would tell them to reach out to someone like me. I would tell them to jump on their social media, look up the hashtags like ulcerative colitis, ulcerative colitis warrior, Crohn's disease, whatever you have, and try to, you know, follow some of those people and see whose messages are speaking to you and then just reach out and say, hey, would you mind talking to my daughter about this? I've talked to many people over the years um, about you know what's going on. A lot of times when people hear my story, if they know somebody or if they are somebody that is involved in the foundation and they're getting their colon removed, I'm, I'm somebody that people will think of and I have no problem talking to anybody because I never ever want anyone to feel as alone as I did, Mm -hmm. you know, back in the day. And I, I will say I have an amazing family. My, I could have never gotten this far without my mom. She was there every step of the way. I had my dad for comic relief. Mom was there. And mm-hmm. I mean, nobody was ever going to mess with me. She was always going to advocate for me. And they gave me a safe environment where I could openly talk about anything. I mean, we. I always joke, everybody poops, we should be able to talk about it. <laughs> but I know that's such a taboo topic. And I know that I make people uncomfortable. Part of me doesn't care because I feel like it's their issue. But I grew up in a household where we could openly talk about anything. And I feel like that's what people need. There are so many people out there that are just not talking about it and ignoring Mm -hmm. it because they're just scared of what people are going to say to them. Yeah, I think that is that is awesome. I love that your family was open and kind of taught you to open up and talk about it. And I love the advice you give to parents to reach out to someone like you or even you, especially because that's the one thing that makes social media so amazing now. I mean, imagine if we'd have had this social media 30 years ago oh my when God. you were a child and none of this, none of the social media existed and to just have that instant connection with someone and to have that instant resource. I've never met, I will say over the years I've had Instagram, I've never reached out to an, another um Crohn's or colitis warrior and gotten a bad response like Mm -hmm. meaning like they don't want to talk to me because I've reached out to people and just been like you are killing it on your journey you know just like sending them a compliment or just be like hey thinking of you I saw your post I saw you were going through a hard time it's always like a nice community because I feel like we're in it together and even if you Mm -hmm. are angry you can't be angry at someone rooting for you yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know like it's hard to be upset about that um but I love seeing people you know rocking their journey even like sharing their struggles and getting over it because I was not that person you know, even 20 years ago, I wasn't that person five years ago. You know, I I really had to evolve and do some serious work to become that person who's so open talking about it. Because I know um, I just had my 20 year high school reunion. Mm -hmm. Makes me feel so old. But (laughs) 
a lot I of did, the people. I did too. We're, yeah, okay, uh, we're, right. exa- we're exactly the same I just, age. <laughs> I coordinated the whole thing and a couple of people said to me, they were like, you know, it's weird. I don't think I realized what you went through back then or what you go through in general because you never talked about it and we never, nobody knew because I didn't want to talk about it. I just hoped that if I didn't talk about it and acted normal, it was be fine. But the truth is it, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So tell me more about your journey and getting through that process because you left off, you had the surgery at 17 and now you're talking about fast forward to your high school reunion and it sounds like you kept most of that, I mean your whole story really under wraps. So tell tell me more about the rest of your journey. Yes, so I had my colon removed. It was November 9th of 1998 and in January of 1999, I had the reversal. Um, It was a lot. It is so traumatic to get cut, you know, straight up your stomach. Never mind the body image issues. I remember it hurting to breathe for like four days. They would be like, you know, get up, you have to walk, and everything just hurt. I mean, you just basically gutted me. Mm -hmm. Um, After the reversal, Things seemed to get a little bit better. Um, The thing that they had told me was is they essentially told me that I was cured, which I don't feel that way because I still have to, you know, I have to watch what I eat and things are just different after Mm -hmm. you've had your colon removed. You know, with any of the bathroom issues that I had before, something that happens that a lot of people don't talk about um, is... You end up after the fact, it's very loud when you go to the bathroom, which let's be honest, pooping in public is embarrassing anyway, but now Mm -hmm. add a loudness factor. And I very much struggled with that. And I struggled so much that I would either hold it for an insane amount of time. Again, Mm -hmm. not something I would recommend. Or I just at one point stopped going out. And something that happened to me, this is where my journey gets really unique. When I was in my early 20s, so about, I would say, a solid 13, 14 years ago, Mm -hmm. I lost the ability to go to the bathroom on my own. And all of a sudden, I could not hold my bowels. I was pooping my pants. And this went on for two years because nobody could figure out what was going on with me. I would eat something, it would literally be coming right out and I couldn't hold it. So I would spend a lot of my time just sitting on a toilet. I can't even, I had like camp set out and set up in this bathroom and it sounds funny, but there was nothing funny about what was going on. I was in and out of the hospital, they couldn't figure out what was going on and I'm in Massachusetts I had to fly. My mother finally flew me to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota Mm -hmm. to try to get answers. And I spent, essentially, I spent two weeks being a lab rat. And at the end of the two weeks, they said, um, you have a weak pelvic floor. You're not able to hold it. And they gave me what is called a urethral catheter, 
um, which is like a red rubber tube. I affectionately call it the poop straw. Mm-hmm. And because you know what, at this point, I need to make it funny. Um, <laughs> but it's the only way that I'm able to evacuate my bowels. And I have to use that multiple times a day because I'm not able to go to the bathroom on my own still 14 years later. I still remain hopeful that we can figure this out and someday I won't need to use a poop straw. But it, it does give me the opportunity where I can go out in public. I am able to do things because Mm -hmm. there was a large period of time in my twenties and even into my thirties, because when you have to use a catheter like that, you need to have a very specific bathroom to go out. So I can't just use a public bathroom and use the catheter. I need to have a single stalled bathroom with a sink because it's yeah. I, I'm, you know, like I'm evacuating my bowels. So what sort of happened is I had such severe bathroom anxiety that I didn't want to leave the house. So I yeah. just didn't. I And I was Debbie Downer for the longest time. I was Debbie Downer. And I remember, you know, people finally saying to me, we don't really want to go out with you anymore. This was like five or so years ago. We don't wow. want to go out with you anymore because you know, you always have bathroom issues and you're no fun as soon as we got out. And that was like a punch to my gut. And my initial reaction was to be really mad. But then when I sat back and thought about it, I was like, oh my God, I don't even like being around me. And that's when I decided that I needed to, you know, I needed to heal and I needed to do some things to not feel angry, to not feel ashamed and to not just live my life in fear, which is what I was doing. That's intense. Like I'm sitting here and yeah. I my own heart has just dropped into the pit of my stomach hearing that because it's I mean, I had bathroom issues not even close to that extent, but even with my bathroom issues, you know, I didn't want to leave the house and and go out or do anything, but to have that so much more yeah. just exacerbated the way that you're describing, I mean, it, it kind of I feel like I can be right there in your shoes and it's just it's heartbreaking and there's no way that you're the only one that has ever experienced this and to not have you know that support system or to not have someone to talk about it like what is this what did um did they ever figure out what caused your pelvic floor to become so weak so unfortunately no um that was another problem that I had to deal with I blamed myself I blamed myself for years when I lost the ability to go to the bathroom and started and I don't say this lightly and it sounds funny but I was literally pooping my pants all day long for two years and I mean I couldn't go anywhere I couldn't even make it to the bathroom that was 20 feet away and I I thought it was my fault I blamed myself because I I used to hold it because it was going to be loud in public. I would hold it for an obscene amount of time. And I thought for sure, I'm the reason this happened. And it took me so long to let go of that anger and that shame. And I'm currently in pelvic floor therapy. Mm -hmm. Ironically, I'm getting ready to be discharged because I've hit, you know, baseline. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not even that I have a weak pelvic floor. It's actually that 
I'm a tight ass, yeah. <laughs> for lack of better term. I needed to light it up just a little. Uh-huh. I felt like we were getting really heavy. Um, but and my, a joke in right, there. Like, my pelvic floor therapist always says it. She's like, some people are, you know, butt clenchers. She goes, and you're a butt clencher. And uh-huh. for any of you listening, like, do you ever find yourself just, just you know, clenching your butt? Because I do. Because of Mm -hmm. all of those years of clenching my butt. So now we're trying to retrain these muscles to loosen up. It's really difficult. And pelvic floor therapy is hard. It's very uncomfortable. I can describe it to you if you want. And then there's also exercises that I have to do. But nothing about this process has been easy. But I did ask my pelvic floor therapist because she's so, so knowledgeable. And I asked her, I was like, is... Was this my fault? I think I needed to hear someone tell me that it wasn't my fault because I really truly have held on to that for a long time. And as much as I've worked through, you know, my anger, my anxiety and all of that stuff, I don't think I truly let that part go until a couple of months ago when she told me no this has probably been happening to you for years there was nothing that you could have done to prevent it and I'm unsure if she's just saying that to make me feel better I feel like no because I like to think that I'm good at reading people but it did give me Mm -hmm. it did make me feel better knowing that I didn't do this because I just I spent so much time just blaming myself and being mad at myself and wishing that I could just turn back time and do it over. I mean, I know people say that about a lot of things, but I just kept thinking if you had just gone to the bathroom in public, what's the big deal? So you're loud. Who cares? Are you ever going to see these people again? And if I Mm -hmm. could do it over, I think I would just be proud to go to the bathroom anywhere and just not care anymore. Yeah. You know, like I good advice yeah, for anyone is. out there. Just go to the bathroom. Yeah, just go, please don't hold it. Like you're I'm not saying you're hurting your body, but it's not good. Yeah. And it doesn't feel no. good and you end up bloated and it's just it's it's rotten. So no, nobody should do that. <laughs> so tell me about that mindset shift because you're in a very good emotional spot now, or at least it sounds like it and from from what you post and what you talk about it, it seems like you've really been able to shift to a positive mindset and really optimistic and a, just a good outlook overall. So how did, it sounds like you hit some really dark times and talk to me about coming out of Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So one of the things that I didn't realize helped me as much as it did was exercise. So I mm. actually, because I had body image issues, I started working out at eight years old. My mom used to do Richard Simmons, sweat into the oldies videos, and mm-hmm. they looked like so much fun. And I was like, I want to do that. So I started doing these videos with her and gradually over the years, I evolved and did, you know, other workouts. And then when I realized that being an aerobics instructor was a job you could actually have and get paid at 19 Mm -hmm. years old, you know, a year after my surgery, I went and got my aerobics instructing license. So a lot of the time, if I'm working out, I can keep certain things in check. But what happened to me was because I kept getting sick or things would happen, I would stop doing that. And I didn't realize how powerful exercise was 
I didn't realize how powerful it was and what it was actually Mm -hmm. doing for me. And I know some people hate to exercise. I legitimately love it. (laughs) Like I legitimately Mm -hmm. love moving my body. I've been an aerobics instructor off and on for 20 years now. I absolutely love it. Um, But what happened probably in my 20s after all that is I worked out really hard and was teaching 10 classes a week from the time I was... I think 28 to like 33. I had like a five-year stretch where I was, not all the classes were high intensity. Some of them were for seniors, but still I was doing that on top of a full-time job and I burnt out. So I quit. I didn't want to do it anymore. I quit. And um, when I was in my early 30s, I went through a divorce. Things were just messy in general. And I just, my workouts just went to the wayside. And then I think the big gut check for me was when my best friend had to tell me that her boyfriend didn't want to hang out with me anymore because I was the worst. Like he just, he thought I was terrible. I was angry every time we went out I was upset about something and he basically was like you know I don't like I like Jackie but she's really difficult to hang out with and about a year before that I started doing online workouts my cousin was doing them they looked like fun and I was really into you know starting to work out again and I was starting to feel better but I was still the mindset wasn't there and I remember she sent me You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. And it sat Mm -hmm. on my shelf for, oh God, like six months to a year because I truly thought personal development was crap. I was like, I thought all of it was crap. I thought going to therapy, I thought personal development was just absolute garbage. And I was so close-minded. But then I saw all these people talking about, you know, working with coaches, working through their mindset, reading all these books, and they just looked so much happier than me that I thought, Mm -hmm. you know what, let me just read this book. So now I start reading all these. I'm consuming as many personal development books as I can. I'm working out regularly, and I decide, you know what, I think it's time to face my disease. I hadn't been to the doctors in years So I decided I'd go back to the doctors, run some tests, see if anything had changed, and then see if maybe there was, you know, new treatments now. Because new treatments could, you know, they happen all the time. I'm a weird medical anomaly where there's only about half to 1% of the population that this is going to happen to. But that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. somebody might not stumble upon something. So I read the books. I did the therapy. I'm not ashamed to admit that I did have to go on medication because I was very severely depressed. And this was Mm -hmm. probably, this was four years ago. And I was on the medication less than a year because I was determined to do the work and get, you know, get out of this mindset that I was in that I had to be scared to go out that everything was going to be wrong I was just so scared that I was going to be somewhere I wouldn't I wasn't going to have a bathroom they weren't going to have things that I could eat I mean I came up with every worst case scenario and when my best friend told me what her boyfriend said I mean at first I was so angry it was like she punched me in the gut and then the more I thought about it which by the way took me like three months when I say I thought about it Mm -hmm. like it took me three months to really sit with I realized oh my god he was right 
And I bet everybody else is thinking it. So now I have to do some things. And at the time, I was not with a partner that was supportive. I didn't. Mm-hmm. My parents, my family was always going to be supportive. But the partner I was with did not believe in personal development. I don't wow. think. Nope. He didn't. He didn't believe in therapy. He didn't believe that. I had any type of anxiety and used to tell me it's in my head, just get over it. And I realize now, and it's probably one of the harder things because I thought that was the person I was meant to be with, you know, forever. Mm -hmm. And it was a very toxic relationship. It was toxic in so many ways. And what ultimately ended up happening is as I evolved into the person I wanted to be, he dumped me. He dumped me wow. because he didn't, that wasn't the person that he, w- he was with at first. When he was first with me, I was very passive. I was very, okay, whatever you want, whatever you want. I never stuck up for myself. I just, you know, rolled with the punches. And then all of a sudden, you know, I realized you're not supporting me. We were fighting all the time. And mm-hmm. it was a very devastating breakup for me but it was one of the best things that ever happened because all of a sudden it was just me and I could just focus on me and really work on me and there was nobody else getting in my head you know everybody else in my life the friends that I had the family that I had they were all on my side and the one person that I thought was also on my side, ended up just not liking the person that I started to become. And that was really hard. So I did all the things. What did it take? What did it take for you to kind of reach that, that mind mindset with the relationship? Because I would imagine that in hindsight, looking back, it's easy to say, well, that's good that he's gone. And I was able to kind of get my life on track or from the outside looking in, like I could sit here and say, oh, well, he definitely needed to go, so that's that's good that he's gone, and now you got this track. But I'm pretty sure in real life that at the no. moment, those we don't come to those conclusions right away. So what was that like to come from that point to being able to look back in hindsight and be like, this is the path I'm on that I need to be on now? I really struggled with this because I truly thought that this was the man I was going to spend the rest of my life with. I was very much in love with him. And looking back at it, like I said, it was very toxic. And when he broke up with me, it just was one of those shattering moments. And I didn't know how to process it. I mean, I processed, it was like going through the seven stages of grief. Like you don't know what to do. Your Mm -hmm. whole world came to an end. And I remember the therapist saying to me, you know, over the past, you know, year or so, have you guys fought? Has everything been great? And the more I thought about it and the more I was working through it, we had several big blowouts where I actually knew in my gut that this wasn't working anymore but like anything else it was change it was unknown it was scary and I was sitting in my comfort zone because I'd been with him for three years so for me to just be like we're done I couldn't do it like I just I needed him to do it because every time Mm -hmm. I tried to do it he didn't really agree with me and it's ironic because he told me that at one point he did agree with me and I was like no I feel like I would have figured that out if you actually agreed with me because he told me he's like you know you tried to break up with me and I said yes 
And I was like, what? It was it was so bizarre. Um, but really what I needed to do is just look back and just think to myself, were you actually happy with this person? And is this the person that you want to be? I mean, I remember mm-hmm. when I had to tell him, I was always very nervous telling men that I dated about my bathroom issues because number one, I have bathroom anxiety. And number two, I'm, I felt like a freak of nature. Like I have to poop through a straw trying to tell somebody that, you know, you want to be intimate with and have a relationship with is so hard. And I was a person, I had to have like three or four glasses of wine before it even Mm -hmm. came out. And then it was not eloquent at all. I didn't even remember (laughs) doing it. It was awful. You know, it was terrible. I basically got white girl wasted, told him and then just fell asleep and asked him the next morning if I said anything. And he just kind of glossed over it. But I never felt supported. And I know that there what really sucks and what was really hard for me to hear is there are people on our journeys that just aren't going to they're not in it for the long haul. And Mm -hmm. I learned that the hard way. And I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but it definitely was one of the best things that happened to me. And it taught me so many lessons, one of which is to trust my gut, because my gut Mm -hmm. was telling me this wasn't right for a long time and I wasn't listening. Yeah, I think that's key. I think sometimes we don't want to trust our guts because they're malfunctioning. Right? (laughs) But (laughs) like, that's the thing, like you're putting it perfectly because my gut has always felt like something that never worked out for me. So how am I supposed to trust it when all it does is, you know, cause me pain? So I I try to talk to it like it's intuition, Mm -hmm. but we all have that gut feeling like we know when something's wrong whether or not we choose to listen to it is a different story and everybody's different Mm -hmm. but if you really like sit back and think about something you're gonna know if it's comfortable or if it's not and then you have to decide am I willing to get uncomfortable and that's basically what I built a platform around the being fearless platform is going out and doing it even if you're scared because I am just I my heart breaks every time I hear someone say well I can't because of this and they give all the examples of why they can't do something I just want to be that voice of but what if (laughs) what if it works out like on the positive side and that's what came out of this you know entire mess because I was like all right I pooped through a straw, whatever. I I could do worse things. There are worse things that could happen. And, you know, I really wanted to get involved with the foundation. And I just felt like I wanted to help as many people as possible to not feel alone. So tell me about that. Is that kind of, is this the point when you mentioned the Fearless program. Is that when you developed the Fearless Academy that you have? I believe it's 21 Days to More Self-Confidence. Yes. And then just how you're helping people. So tell me how that evolved because this this all sounds kind of like it was fairly recent within the last few years is that yeah this all happened with I mean life happens fast it happened in the past like two and a half years I wrote about a year ago I sat down and just started writing about 
one of the things I realized when I started diving deep into my personal development journey is a lot of my problems stemmed with not feeling confident. And I think a lot of people aren't confident. I think we all struggle with our self-confidence. So I just started sitting down. It was probably like a year and a half ago and just started writing down the steps and the things that I did to feel more confident in life. And it just turned into an ebook. You know, it was one of those things where I sat down, I just wrote, and last February, I declared Fearless February and launched the Fearless Academy, and now I do have an ebook, and I also do confidence coaching for women and we can focus on whatever you want to do I work with people one-on-one and I also do group calls and I have a free group on Facebook to just help people feel more confident hit their goals and I'm out there giving you as much information as I can and I just feel like what worked for me is my motto is always if I can do it you can do it And also, Mm -hmm. it's okay to be scared. Do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And it's easier to do that when you have a support system. And so you mentioned like the Facebook group that you have and and just the people that you're coaching. It's easier to to be fearless and to just do things when you know that you have a cheerleader behind you and a support system that, that is right there with you. Exactly. And I know that when what I tell people when I first start working with them, First of all, I usually do like a 30-minute one-on-one call with them because I want to make sure I'm a right fit for you. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I know that. And I also want to know that are you willing to dive deep and get down and dirty with what you have going on so that you can work through it? And are you going to be open to you know, maybe some things you wouldn't necessarily try. Like I always tell people, come to me with an open heart and a willingness to just try new things. Because if you don't Mm -hmm. have a willingness to get out of your comfort zone and try new things, I can't help you. And I don't think anybody can help you. You need to be, you need to have a willingness to try something new to feel differently. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, thinking back, upon your journey that you were sharing with us is when your best friend's boyfriend said, you know, we just don't want to be around her to really be able to look at that and then be willing to say, all right, I'm ready to change and I'm ready to do something. It's the same thing. Unless a person is really ready to, to look deep and to tackle some issues that, that hurt and are deep and are tough. Yeah. Unless they're willing to do that, then no one's going to be able to help. And so if they are, what an awesome service that, you know, that you have, that you're there to be able to help people come through this with your your background, your story. And it's like, I've been there. Yeah. And so what a journey. I mean, I do my best. I, I'm never going to tell someone I have all the answers. And I'm not here to quote unquote fix you. What people do is they let me know what's going on and I give them sort of an outside intuitive perspective where I'm looking at it super objectively and trying to either, you know, pick out the positives or just say, how would it feel if you did this? How would it feel if, you know, you didn't feel like that? How do you want to feel and how can we get there? Because that that's some of the things I learned in my journey is I just knew I don't want to feel like this anymore. 
I don't want to be angry. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have anxiety every day of my life. I had a 24-hour panic attack before all this happened. Um, And I thought I was having, I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a heart attack. When I say like I had anxiety, I mean, it was very crippling for a little while and finally I was just like no we're not doing this anymore and I I worked Mm -hmm. with the therapist I still work with a therapist I believe therapy works um Mm -hmm. I've had multiple coaches over the years and I still read those books and I listen to personal development podcasts all the time and how does life look for you now? Um, I think my, I would say my life is pretty amazing. I, I mean, mm-hmm. is it perfect? Absolutely not. Um, but I was able to buy my own house last year. And that was a huge thing. I did that on my own. I am still a single awesome. woman. I would say the one per, one thing I would love <laughs> is if I was able <laughs> to find the right partner. But I know that the universe mm-hmm. will... The universe will present me with the right partner when they're ready. And I I love my life. I have a great dog. I have a great family. I bought my house. And I just have a great set of people in my life. You know, I love what I do. And, you know, you can't, you can't be ungrateful for stuff like that. Yeah, that is wonderful. And I, I'm a big believer that the universe will put someone yes. into your orbit when you're yep. ready and we have a lot in common as I'm listening to your story but in when I was 30 in my early 30s I got divorced as well and it took me about you know five years of dating and awful awful people <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know I got into like a pretty depressive funk yeah. like I'm just gonna be alone forever this is horrible and and then fast forward and I finally about five years after my divorce I I met who's now my husband but Then we look back at our lives and like this whole time I've been, I was living in San Antonio at the time, like he was within like miles, like in the same city, just within miles of my orbit. Like we probably shopped at the same grocery store, but it just, honestly, as I look back, it's like, I wasn't ready at that point. Like I wasn't ready for him. And I had a lot of, I did the same thing, a lot of personal growth, a lot of books on self-help and communication and just what can I do? And, and it all led me to, you know, I'm still growing, but it led me to where I'm at and to where I was ready. So I totally you give me hope, girl. You give saying. me hope. <laughs> you know what? I refuse yeah. to be unhopeful, but I do get it. It does get frustrating because I'll never lie and tell people that it's wicked easy out there. I think dating in 2020 is hard. I actually did a podcast yeah. about it with uh, my bestie. Um, so she didn't stay with that guy. Just FYI, the guy mm-hmm. that didn't want to hang out Good. with me anymore. She, <laughs> I didn't no, like him. <laughs> I mean, he was an okay guy, but and I understand why he did it. I can't even be mean, but they're not together anymore, which yeah. is great. But her and I um, did a dating podcast and our thoughts on it, and it was just hilarious because I think it is tough mm-hmm. out there. And for whatever reason, I think people have lost communication skills and they don't know how to have a conversation yeah i think because you watch sitcoms now like you watch all the dysfunctional american sitcoms and then you think like that's how people are supposed to behave and it's like no 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 one's supposed to behave like that (laughs) yeah it's really strange and i mean it's it's the internet so it's like you get creepers and stuff like that so i actually had to i mean we had to take a break anyway because we're not allowed to go out anymore but um, I just needed to, to stop because I was, 
I, I know that, you know, with the universe and like the law of attraction, what I put out is what I'm going to get back. So if I start feeling mm-hmm. really negative about this, that's not going to manifest in anything good. So sometimes you just need to take a step back with anything so that you can just yeah. focus on something else and then come back to it and feel a little bit better about it. And I tell my clients that all the time. If there's something that's frustrating you in your life, you need to figure out how to take a step back and look mm-hmm. at it more objectively or just be removed from it if you can, you know, to the best of yeah. your ability. Because it it's hard when you're in the middle of your crap. Like when you're in it the is. thick of it, you don't see the other side. Like I never saw the Jackie that's, you know, talking to you today. I probably mm-hmm. would have laughed my ass off if you told me that I was advocating for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, running mm-hmm. half marathons for them, and telling everybody they should go out and poop and be proud. Like, I would have just looked at you <laughs> like, are you insane? <laughs> so tell me about that. You mentioned advocating for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Is that something new that you've been doing recently as well? Because it sounds like a lot has changed. Yes. Just in the last few years. Yeah, the last year. really stepped out into the world. Yeah, the last year has been um, pretty amazing. So last year, I made the decision about a year and a half ago that I wanted to randomly start running. I was 37 years old and I was like, let's start a running journey. That sounds like something that's gonna challenge me. And I think the reason I wanted to do that is because I've always done aerobics, I've always loved fitness, and I just felt like I needed to do something that was really gonna push me out of my comfort zone. So I decided that I wanted to do the half marathon marathon for the foundation called the Team Challenge. So as soon as signups were open, I immediately signed up and I basically gave myself five months to train and running is hard. Yeah. <laughs> like I hate oh running. Oh my god. I, I'll just put that I out there. I have a love hate with running. Every run is different, but it's such a great way to clear my head and to just yeah. it's the fastest way I can tell you to get out of your head. Go do something hard like a workout and you can just get out of your head. That's why I love fitness so much. But when you're running, it's so hard that you're you cannot think about anything else. So any problem you have just kind of goes away depending on how long you do it. But I trained mm-hmm. I had a running coach. Um, You're required to fundraise for it. I had a fundraising coach and I just met so many amazing people. And as I was going through this and, you know, people were starting to hear my story, I realized I was very much more comfortable talking about it and started being more open to my journey because now I was just face to face with people that have Crohn's or colitis and they want to hear my story and they're supporting me and they're making me feel safe. So when the night before the the team challenge, the half marathon, they had asked for some guest speakers and I made the very bold decision that I want to be a motivational speaker. I want to be someone that stands on a stage and shares my story and I got picked. And I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I get a little choked up when I talk about my journey, especially when I start talking about, you know, eight-year-old Jackie and what she went through. And I got up there and I did a 10-minute speech and I almost cried at one point and I just had to like take a deep breath. But the speech was so well-received that people were 
just very, I, I had inspired people and I never thought that that was something that I could do. So when I heard about the foundation looking for ambassadors, which is basically people that are going to advocate and talk about the disease and be open about it and promote their events, it was a no brainer for me. I applied immediately and, you know, I am always, I, now I'm very unapologetic about who I am. I, I am what I am. If I'm not your cup of tea, that's okay because I love me and I'm comfortable in my own skin that I can, I'll be able to talk about anything. So I think that's why that was a big thing that happened over the past year for me where I just finally stopped caring what other people thought and was like, you know what, just say it. Who cares? Like, mm-hmm. just say it. <laughs> You know, and it's so valuable too, though, because I know that I have Googled things over the past however many years I've had Crohn's now, but I have Googled some things that, you know, I would blush to tell yes. people that I Googled, but I was just so desperate to yeah. find out, like, surely someone else is experiencing yeah. And they are. The same they just thing. may not be talking about are. it. Yep. And I was so grateful every time I found what I was looking for (laughs) in someone else's story. And it's like, thank you for sharing. And that's why I love, that's why I love like um, seeing people's stories and reading their posts because it Mm -hmm. it just, it's like you go girl, like you put it out there, like you do you. Mm -hmm. I agree a hundred percent. What's been the most surprising thing or something that you wish people knew like as you've gone on this advocacy journey what's the most surprising thing that you've come across kind of important thing you wish people knew I think well for me personally the most surprising thing is how fast I started getting comfortable talking about everything and Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to tell you that it's it's comfortable all the time because sometimes when I'm throwing up a post I like shut my eyes to hit send because Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, how's this going to be received? Like I'm judging myself before I even allow other people to do it. So I think there had to be that fearless component where I just had to be like, okay, just post it. It's going to be okay. Um, But I think what, you know, usually surprises people when they meet me is they assume that I've been positive my whole life. Like, Mm -hmm. apparently I've come off as somebody at this point who's positive and puts it out there. And that was not the case. So I never want people, and I always tell people, you know, the Jackie that you've met, you know, this year and last year, this was not who I was three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, and definitely not 15, 20 years ago. You know, I just wasn't. I was a very different person. And what I think is hard for some people is if you haven't seen me in a long time, you expect a different person. You expect Mm -hmm. the people pleaser who's just going to be like, what can I do for you today? Like, how can I make you comfortable? And that's just not who I am. But it does surprise people when I tell them I was negative Nancy (laughs) (laughs) for almost 30 years. (laughs) What a change. I know. I mean... From watching, reading your blog and from watching your stories, I thought you'd always had this no. positive oh, mindset God, no. that you've been able to carry <laughs> with you. And But I think it's so important to share that you haven't always had that because I'm sure that there are plenty of people listening to this who are negative and in their own mindset. Because I've thought it many of times course. throughout my life throughout my lifetime where it's like yeah, but my, my story's different yep. or oh, my yeah. situation's different. And 
you know absolutely it's It's one of those like (laughs) it's the victim mentality where you're telling yourself a story and it doesn't have to be true like my story Mm -hmm. always read that i had to be anxious i was always going to be sick bad things were going to be happening so basically i was asking for them to happen because the more that you put out all these negative things that's what you're going to get back as soon as i decided you know what it's going to be okay I can find a bathroom. And by the way, I just want to say for anyone listening, there is a card you can get, and the link is actually on my website. There's a bathroom access card you can get. All you have to do is show somebody that bathroom access card, and they're going to give you access to a bathroom. And it's amazing, and I've never had a problem using it. And that's through the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, correct? Yep. That they offer? Yep. That's awesome. And it's amazing. Do you have one? I do not, but I thought about getting one back when I was first diagnosed. I was like, do I need this? And I, I don't know why. I just never did. I just but. like the idea of having it. And ironically, mm-hmm. I hadn't used it in a long time, um, but I had to use it last week because I had to use the bathroom really bad. And I was in a situation where you either needed to, I think you needed to buy something and I'm mm-hmm. not allowed more than two coffees a day. <laughs> And I was like, I can't have a coffee and I really didn't want a donut. So I just flashed my card and they let me write in. No problem. That's awesome to hear. That is really awesome. So we've talked about your website. We talked about your program and your free Facebook group. So tell me, where are all of these places online that people can follow you, reach out to you and and basically just get in touch or keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. On Instagram, I'm at beingfearlessjacks. In my bio, there's a link to join the Fearless Academy. You can reach out to me. Usually I have, um, I'm generally fundraising for the foundation if you're inclined to make a donation. So people can check me out there. And then I also have a website, www.jackiemrobbins.com. Made it myself. Very proud of it. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. God, that was hard too. Um, And I also have a podcast called Being Fearless with Jackie Robbins. Awesome. I will put all of those links in the show notes so that it's easy for, for everyone to find where you're at. So we covered a lot today. Is there anything that I did not get a chance to ask that you wanted to share? God, I can't think of any <laughs> anything. I'm always like very all over the place with my journey because when sometimes when I'm asked to speak and I have been asked to speak, I ask them, what do you want me to focus on? Um, because I don't want to like go off on too many tangents. And I am a person who likes to have notes in front of me because it's a 30 year journey. It's hard to yeah. cram into all of those things. So I think the message that I hope people get is, All hope is never lost. Always remain hopeful. Always remain that a better day is coming. And it's always okay to feel your feelings. It's always okay to feel your feelings. If you're having a crappy day, you know what? Have the crappy day. Eat the ice cream. Eat whatever you want. Sit on the couch. Binge 12 episodes of your favorite show. Just don't stay there. Don't stay in that mindset. Don't wake up the next morning and be like, well, yesterday was crappy, so today is crappy because that's where I went wrong. I just kept waking up every day thinking every day was going to be crappy until I didn't. So that's just the one message I really want to portray is you have the power to change your story. Don't get stuck in one that you don't like. 
I love that message. And you've definitely been changing your own story and just rewriting it to be the storyline that you want it. And I think that is incredibly awesome and powerful. Thank you. And thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and for being here today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Oh, it was a blast. Thank you so much, Jackie. If you've listened to episode 45 of this podcast, you already know that I came across another gut-friendly company doing amazing things in the nutrition space through our incredible IBD network. Sylvia Tam, founder of Beviva Foods, has developed her gut-friendly snacks for people on the go. Her snacks are not only easy to digest, they're portable and delicious. I honestly love all her Purple products, but the Purple Granola is my favorite. It's made of real ingredients, no fillers or junk, easy to throw into my purse to have on the go, and gives me that slightly sweet and delicious crunch that I'm always looking for. Listen to episode 45 of this podcast to hear Sylvia's personal IBD journey and how she started Baviva Foods. And for 15% off your order, use code CFF15 at bevivafoods.com. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at Crohn'sFitnessFood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Food or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.cronesfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.